The following episode of Annals on Call is brought to you by Annals of Internal Medicine. For more episodes and links to CME and MOC, visit go.annals.org slash oncall. T-cells activate macrophages, neutrophils. You have a inflammatory mess in the lung, and you need a cell that can sort of orchestrate repair. Welcome to Annals on Call, a podcast based upon articles from the Annals of Internal Medicine in which we discuss the implications of the article for you, the listener. This is Dr. Bob Centaur. I'm Professor Emeritus at the University of Alabama at Birmingham and former chair of the Board of Regents for the American College of Physicians. This episode of Annals on Call features a letter to the Annals that was published on July 7th titled Regulatory T-Cells for Treating Patients with COVID-19 and Acute Respiratory Distress Syndrome, Two Case Reports. Joining us for this episode is Franco D'Alessio, who's a physician scientist, assistant professor of medicine in the Pulmonary and Critical Care Division at Johns Hopkins University. He combines clinical care in the intensive care unit with basic translational studies focusing on the resolution of lung inflammation and reparative immunology in the lungs. He's the senior author of this paper. Franco, thank you so much for uh, joining us on this podcast. Uh, The letter that you and your colleagues wrote about these two patients who were treated with T-regulator cells, and there seemed to be uh, a great uh, response to this approach, the first thing that I want to go over is the danger that happens after the virus builds up, all of a sudden something clicks in the lungs. Some people have called it cytokine storm. Some people say that's an inaccurate title. It's something slightly different, but we know a lot of immunological stuff happens. Could you explain that as best as you can about what we're trying to fight in terms of the immunology and how our lungs are being attacked. Uh, Good morning, Bob. Thank you very much for for inviting me and uh, letting us uh, talk about our uh, exciting uh, uh, therapeutic option and and potential uh, ongoing trial. Uh, So um, answering your question, uh, we uh, have been, um, my specialist pulmonary critical care, I have been treating acute respiratory distress syndrome for the last uh, 12 years. I actually do actual bench research on acute respiratory distress syndrome. And so um, there is, uh, when there's an insult, in this case, the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, infects the airway epithelium cells, and that triggers a inflammatory reaction. And uh, ultimately, uh, if that inflammatory reaction is controlled, uh, you will clear the virus and you will have very little collateral damage in the lung. And you, of course, will become fairly sick, don't get me wrong, uh, but it is when the inflammatory response is exuberant and uncontrolled and where there is uh, collateral damage. And that collateral damage uh, is in the form of severe inflammation of the lungs. Uh, there is of course, uh, cytokines, which are these proteins secreted by immune cells and non-immune cells. And uh, those, uh, those cytokines end up spilling in the blood and actually causing uh, what we uh, call multi-organ failure. 
coagulation cascade gets uh, activated, the kidneys get affected, we get an encephalopathy, we're seeing a lot of delirium in our patients. There is uh, shock uh, requiring sometimes vasopressors. So you can see that in a local, what started like a local insult, when it's exuberant, you spill all the cytokines and what we call biotrauma, and it ends up affecting other organs. I do feel like the term cytokine storm is a misnomer. Um, I have to say, uh, we see cytokine storms on a daily basis in the ICU. Septic shock is the classical example where there's cytokines everywhere. Actually, pre-COVID ARDS is also a cytokine storm, but nobody has ever named it cytokine storm. Actually, people have actually compared cytokines in pre-COVID ARDS and COVID ARDS, and there's not much difference. There may be a few cytokines that are different. So it is a a misnomer. I think it, it all came from this complication of CAR T cells to treat uh, leukemia lymphomas where you have this cytokine release syndrome and where uh, the use of anti-IL-6 therapies have uh, actually shined. And then uh, you, you, you know that there's been a lot of, of, of interest in this uh, biological pathway. And, and I'm not sure the results are that exciting with IL-6 therapy for COVID-induced ARDS. So yes, so there, there is a cytokine storm. It causes collateral damage. This is all in response to the virus. And uh, uh, I think the timing of the virus and your presentation dictates where you are on this immunological viral interaction. So it is in the first maybe seven, 10 days where there's a lot of virus, but then once you are in the ICU with ARDS, very sick, likely there might not be as much virus. And what, what you have is immunopathology from an exuberant immune response. So uh, one of the things that I've used to try to understand what's going on as best I could is, number one, we don't want to get exposed to too much coronavirus that we can't clear quickly by ourselves. That's prevention. Number two, people are trying to kill the coronavirus. Uh, That's remdesivir and other uh, trials to do that. And number three, to try to control this immunological thing. Now, I noticed both your patients got an IL-6 is the IL-6 inhibitor first, and that didn't seem to work. And then you gave them T-regulatory cells. And I'd never heard of T-regulatory cells. I have to admit, immunology is not always my strongest suit. So maybe you could explain what's going on here with the IL-6 and then the T-regulator cells and why you even thought of doing this prior to COVID, because uh, as I understand, you were doing this in ARD research before COVID, and then what, we can have an understanding of what this means in terms of the pathophysiology. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I agree, Bob, with what you said. I think uh, we have all a role in this pandemic. Uh, we're talking about uh, wearing a mask, social distancing. That's very important. Probably the most important the vaccination efforts are ongoing, and there's some uh, positive, uh, encouraging news, and more needs to be done. And then you have the stage where you want to kill the virus, like sort of what we do with uh, Tamiflu and influenza and it's remdesivir and other antivirals. And then you, uh, once you're unlucky and you've gone through all those stages and you have this collateral damage with uh, acute respiratory distress syndrome or ARDS is where we need to start immunomodulating and promoting repair. So I have spent the last 12 years uh, researching this in animal models. Uh, We uh, went uh, to the lab. Uh, I was under the guidance of Landon King, who is still at Hopkins. And basically our lab was basically saying, how do we 
resolve inflammation. A lot of our patients present already with injury. So trying to block early inflammatory cascades is likely not going to translate into therapies because our patients are already coming with several days of injury. So we thought, let's focus on repair. And then in, in animal models, we found that uh, there are certain immune cells that migrate to the inflamed lungs, and they participate actively in either injury or repair. And we found uh, a subpopulation of CD4 T lymphocytes named T-Rex or regulatory T-cells. So you and I have about 5 to 10% of our total pool of CD4 T-cells are going to be a subpopulation called T-Rex. They express this transcription factor, master transcription factor called FOXP3. They have the interleukin-2 receptor alpha uh, called CD25. And uh, these cells are very important in uh, modulating immune system or exuberant immune responses. They are critical maintaining self-tolerance to, to self-antigens and perhaps preventing autoimmunity. But we found that they, these cells not only can control or orchestrate exuberant inflammation, but it can actually promote repair. So if you have an organ injury, particularly the lung in this case, these cells can produce factors that regenerate or repair a damaged lung. It also can control other cells. So it is a cell agnostic in the sense that it is not a one-trick pony. It doesn't go there and block one cytokine or block one certain pathway. It goes there, it senses inflammation, it talks, cross-talks to other cells, it sees who needs help, it sees who is damaged, and it orchestrates this very active process of resolution. Resolution is not just the passive release of early inflammation. It's a very orchestrated active process, and T-Rex play a critical role here. So we had defined all this in preclinical models. Other laboratories replicated our findings, showing T-Rex are important. There's a strong biological plausibility. Uh, this, this pandemic hits. We know it causes lymphopenia. We also know other groups have described immunological landscape in this disease, and they have consistently noted that regulatory T-cells are significantly decreasing this disease. Not only that, there the access, the T cells might be overactive, they might have an exhaustive phenotype, there's uh, ongoing research where these T cells activated macrophages, neutrophils, you have a inflammatory mess in the lung and you need a cell that can sort of orchestrate repair. So that was our rationale. We had two patients in our uh, Charles Hopkins intensive care unit, they were incredibly sick. Both of them had multi-organ failure. Both of them had severe acute respiratory distress syndrome. This treatment happened before remdesivir, happened before dexamethasone. So I have to say that those two play a significant role, and I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to say. But even with remdesivir and dexamethasone, we're still talking about almost a 30% mortality if you're in the ICU with COVID ARDS. So more needs to be done, and I, I think uh, it is important to conduct trials that are randomized control and fashion. And that's very important. Anecdotal, our case is anecdotal, but it is, it, it gives a good center uh, stage to actually uh, do this. And so our, this is our, the rationale was there and we contact the families, we contact the FDA, we got compassionate use, IND, 
uh, we were lucky uh, to have a company uh, called Selenkos, uh, uh, the scientific officer, Simrit Pambrar, Dr. Pambrar, um, collaborated with us and saying, we have this off the shelf core blood T-Rex ready to be used. And then uh, uh, we treated these patients and I, I will be cautious to say that the T-Rex were the ones that um, helped the patients. I, I think the inflammatory markers suggest they, they participated actively, but there's a lot of things we do in the ICU. We support the patients, we give them heparin. In this case, they were not getting steroids. They failed at biological IL-6. And then both patients uh, recover. They had a long course in the ICU, but remember, these patients were, were very, very sick. Uh, so we're excited. We reported in, in your journal, and, and it's, it, it, we have some traction to actually conduct a multi-center trial, which uh, several academic institutions are going to participate. Uh, University of Carolina, Wake Forest, and Winston-Salem. We have uh, New York, Columbia, uh, the Methodist at Houston. Uh, so we have several tri- centers that are uh, going to actively participate in our trial. That's really interesting. One of the things that I noticed um, as I was trying, I was trying to read as carefully as I could understand, and you said something about Treg cells from cord blood as opposed to other Treg cells. So it, it sounds like if you took Treg cells from me, if you had some, that there's a potential for adverse reactions to adult Treg cells as opposed to cord Treg cells. Could you explain that? The, the ideal scenario would be to take your own autologous T-Rex, but the only problem there is this: there's not going to be enough. If I would have to exsanguinate you to get enough T-Rex to actually give them back to you. So I would need to take your T-Rex, put them in a dish, and expand them. And that, that has been done. But it would take an average of two to four weeks to get your own enough autologous T-Rex to be expanded to give them back to you. Within two to four weeks, you might not be alive with severe ARDS from COVID. So this is an impractical approach. Moreover, there are uh, actually uh, scientific groups that have compared core blood T-Rex with adult T-Rex. So what do you do? You basically, as T-Rex uh, need to be committed to their lineage. They need to stay a T-Rex. And that is uh, achieved by several things. One is they need to maintain their FOXP3 expression. That can be epigenetically regulated. It can be regulated by inflammatory milieu. And when core blood T-Rex are compared to uh, adult T-Rex, they are able to maintain that T-Rex cell lineage much more effectively. Adult T-Rex, when they sense inflammation, some some will get promiscuous and turn into potential pathogenic T-cells. And that's something that we clearly don't want. Imagine infusing adult T-Rex into an inflamed lung and some of those cells decide to say, I'm not going to stay a T-Rex, I'm going to become a pathogenic T-cell. You can imagine that being catastrophic potentially. So that is this, that is a theoretical advantage. Uh, core blood T-Rex are more naive. They have a, a bigger T-cell repertoire. They can stay committed more to the T-Rex lineage. And um, we're lucky that a company like Silencos and perhaps others uh, have off the shelf ready core blood T-Rex, FDA, GMP approved to actually be given to humans. And they've, they've been given to humans with other conditions that are not ARDS. They're more hematological uh, pre-malignancies uh, and they have been given safe. 
in our two patients, as, as you read, we were concerned that we were going to give a transfusion of, of T cells in somebody who is very sick. And we were happily surprised that there were no adverse events, that there was absolutely no effects on the transfusion. And again, it's only two patients, but um, that, that was reassuring for us. That was reassuring that this therapy was safely tolerated. Can we expect this randomized controlled trial to start going in the relatively near future? Yes, thank you for that question. Dr. Douglas Gladstone, who's leading this effort at Hopkins, uh, we're putting together uh, all the IRBs. We have the FDA, IND approved for a multi-center trial. Our trial is going to be placebo control. Uh, double-blinded. We are going to recruit three arms. Uh, An arm is going to get placebo, an arm is going to get a low-dose infusion of T-Rex, and a third arm is going to get a a higher number of T-Rex. And we're going to, of course, uh, recruit uh, clinical radiological outcomes, biospecimens to look at uh, cytokines and immunological profiling. And so this will be informative. And this, uh, in the future, if we see a positive signal, we would like to launch a much bigger trial. Um, it is important to note that uh, this company, uh, Selenkos, which I have no conflict of interest whatsoever, I asked them, like, what, how many doses can you deliver in the case of a widespread use? And they have bioreactors. Uh, they tell me they can get 100 doses within two weeks, and they could get 100,000 doses within six months. Um, so uh, it is It is not going to be available for everybody. I, I do believe that this cell could have a role bef- perhaps before when you're on some supplemental oxygen before developing reproring full-blown mm-hmm. ARDS. But I think we are going to focus on the sickest patients, and based on that, we will take different directions. What are your thoughts about dexamethasone? Because you were not using dex- dexamethasone back when you treated these two patients, and could that have something to do with T-regulator cells, or is that a different strategy? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Bob. I, I think remdesivir and dexamethasone are, are definitely uh, becoming the standard of care, in a, especially in very sick people. Dexamethasone comes with some potential risk. I think the risk of infections are definitely there. Uh, we are seeing an, a, a significant amount of ventilator-associated lung injury. There are invasive fungal infections that these patients develop. Uh, so we need to be cautious, dexamethasone. But as I mentioned to you before, even with dexamethasone, the mortality is still 30%. Yeah. Um, the, so there is need to be, more, more needs to be done to immunomodulate the injury. It's interesting that steroids are usually lympholytic. Uh, meaning that uh, they will um, cause apoptosis of T cells. But it's interesting, T-Rex are somehow resistant to that lympholytic effect. Actually, there are uh, certain reports that uh, steroids or low-dose steroids can actually promote T-Rex. So I I see this as as not as an exclusive therapy, uh, excluding therapies. I I think they might work even synergistically. A low-dose steroids with dexamethasone with an infusion of T-Rex might actually be quite beneficial. And the last question I have for you is totally hypothetical. I've been reading about the controversy over vaccination and reinfections, and people are concerned about antibodies and whether there's antibodies or not. But then there's another point of view that perhaps that immunity to this kind of virus would actually be in a T cell 
<laughs> that, would, that would reactivate the, the immune response. Could you explain, does that have anything to do with this or is that a different line? There is uh, no question that the antibody response is very important in this disease. Uh, we are still learning if the antibody response is long lasting uh, and that's an important work that needs to be done, uh, particularly in the setting of vaccination. But uh, memory T cell responses will, will have a, a critical role in this disease. There are some patients that are, are clearing the disease very fast and efficient and likely related to memory T cell responses, not, not just antibody responses. So these, these are going to be a, a very important in this disease. It needs to be studied. Uh, there is a concept also of memory T-REC responses that are also important. Uh, so um, I completely agree that uh, this is an under-study uh, area and, and will have an important role in controlling infection, reinfection. Well, Frank, I cannot thank you enough uh, for shedding light uh, into some of the biology of what's going on with ARDS and, and COVID and giving us some hope for um, another piece to the uh, treatment puzzle uh, and uh, applaud you and your colleagues for the work that you're doing. Well, thank you very much. You said it very well. This is just another piece. Uh, this is uh, the treatment of uh, COVID is, has to be multi-stage, multi-faced. Uh, we are just tackling a, a small piece in the sickest people. Uh, scientific effort community is, is um, astonishing and, and, and I'm very proud to be a physician scientist uh, that can uh, help contribute to this uh, pandemic. Thank you. Now it's time for Bob's Pearls. This fascinating um, letter talks about T-regulatory cells. T-regulatory cells are a subset of T-cells that orchestrate repair of tissue. Uh, this can be very important for damaged lungs, as uh, their previous research has demonstrated. They do report two extremely ill ventilator-dependent patients who, when provided with Treg cells from cord blood, had a temporal recovery that coincided with the Treg introduction. This report is clearly hypothesis-generating because it's just two anecdotes. The discussion that we had focused on the importance of T-cells and particular T-regulatory cells and how both of these uh, often have memory, which may have something to do with our abilities to withstand a second infection and hopefully be able to be stimulated by vaccination. We hope you've enjoyed learning uh, a little bit more about the biology of lung damage. Thank you for listening. For more episodes of Annals on Call and links to CME and MOC, visit go.annals.org slash on call. Participants' statements on this podcast reflect the views of the participants and not necessarily those of the journal or the American College of Physicians, unless so identified. The information contained in the podcast should never be used as a substitute for clinical judgment.